Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. And so definitely finding your people, I think is the most important thing that definitely helps like kind of lift the mask. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real world experiences in the industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. I'm Amanda Frederick. I'm the Program Communications Manager with Women Who Code, and we have something special for you today. Since it's Halloween, we're diving deep into the spirit of the season, but instead of spooky tales, we're exploring a different kind of mask, the ones we wear every day to navigate the world around us. The tradition of wearing masks on Halloween dates back to Celtic harvest festivals, and these traditions travel with Scottish and Irish immigrants, eventually becoming a big part of the United States Halloween celebrations. Today, masking takes on a whole new meaning in a psychological sense. We'll discuss various aspects of masking, including why it's prevalent among women and non-binary persons in the workplace. In this special roundtables episode, we've invited some incredible members of Team Teal to discuss the concept of unmasking and revealing our true self. So I'll ask everyone to say hello. So today we have with us Kimberly Jacobs. She's the Senior Communications Manager at Women Who Code. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you, Amanda. We have Grecia Castaldi, Director of Community at Women Who Code as well. Hi, Grecia. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Amanda. Liz Harney, email automation specialist with Women Who Code. Hello. Hi. And we've got Samantha Healy, a digital designer with Women Who Code. Thank you, Amanda. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. So today we're asking everyone to consider how systemic factors often compel women and non-binary persons to wear different masks in professional settings. So from code switching to navigating issues related to disabilities, health and socializing tendencies like introversion or extroversion. We'll also discuss how masking affects our sense of identity, touching on issues of race, gender, sexuality. But this episode isn't just about the challenges of masking, it's about finding your authentic self. So our guests will share their personal experiences and offer tips on how to unmask and empower yourself. So I'm really excited for this special episode today. So let's get started. I, I think the, a good place to start would be to get a sense from everyone if you could share your own experience with masking, because we've all done it. And probably right now, even our listeners are thinking, how am I doing this in my, in my day-to-day life or even at work? So can you tell us about an aspect of your identity or a story that you have masked or hidden? So if you could tell us um, the ways that you have masked and maybe why you felt the need to mask. And let's start with Kimberly. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, so masking has become very layered for me, much more than I thought. Initially, you know, just through my trajectory of school and career, my masking was just like me as a Black woman. Of course, I'm not masking that I'm Black because you can see that, but aspects of just like cultural things and how I spoke and just wanting to come across professional, whatever that means, professional, and even look a certain way. So for a long time, I wore my hair straight um, instead of curly and, you know, wore very office type things. And then as I've gotten older, one thing that I realized is that I was masking socially too in the workplace and personally, and that I'm not as social as 
I came across as and it was really burning me out because, you know, networking is such a big part of your professional career and just building relationships. But it was always hard for me to maintain those relationships because I just was socially burnt out (laughs) and awkward. And then eventually I found out I had ADHD, which also helped me to understand my social awkwardness and also fatigue that I experienced over and over. And then even with work, uh, just feeling burnt out and not knowing how to communicate that, but pushing through because you have to be excellent. You can't fail. You can't make any mistakes. Everything has to be to the T, even though we all kind of know to some level we're making mistakes, but we, I'm trying to mask the fact that I'm making mistakes and it just all becomes exhausting after a while. So those are some of the ways that I've been masking throughout my life and I'm excited to talk more about it. Yeah, I think what's something interesting you're saying, there's a couple of things that I would be um, curious to maybe to hear from Grecia next, if any of this resonates with you as well. Two things that you said that stood out to me were really interesting. One, that being your authentic self was the opposite of perfection, right? Like you got to pick one or the other. And this idea that the more we lean in toward who we actually are, the less good we are. And I'm not sure where that narrative comes from. So maybe we could explore that a little bit more today. Um, And also the way that your body told you that what you were doing was wrong, right? You felt bad hiding who you were. And often I think like, I don't know how the rest of you are, but in, in when in periods also where I'm personally masking, it feels, it doesn't feel nice. Like you you get sicker more, right? You're stressed, you're not sleeping well, your body tells you when something, when something's up for sure. Could I see it? Does any of that resonate with you? And would you share with us your experience with masking? Yes, absolutely. I can share my story. So I am from Mexico. I live in Mexico and my first language is is Spanish. But it's very common for us Mexicans and Latin Americans to work with American colleagues for American companies or clients. However, we are always expected to mask our accent, our English accent, and only the ones with the best English skills can sometimes get those opportunities to work for American companies. I started learning English since elementary school. I took many courses, but I didn't really use it until my college years and now at work. So I tried to be like that for a while, you know, trying to improve my accent, trying not to make any mistakes and not sharing much about my origins until I realized that that was causing me a lot of stress and I I could make mistakes. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. We can be ourselves. We can talk more about who we are, where we are from. And that's that's part of my story. No, thanks for sharing. And I, I think also something that your story gestures toward is like you had the opportunity to learn English from a young age. And I think sometimes our masks are often also tied to our level of opportunity too, our ability to acquire these tools and things. And the ability to, the, the problem is that we feel like we have to put on our mask, but sometimes it's nice to be able to put on our mask too, right? It can be kind of a privilege when you feel like having that sort of privacy or not sharing maybe so much of yourself with someone, but it's also a form of privilege that you have been able to acquire the tools to be able to even do that as well. Um, Liz, would you share your experience with us? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I think even, you know, talking about privilege. So I'm someone that lives with a generalized anxiety disorder. I also identify as bisexual. 
And so speaking of privilege, uh, being bisexual has its privileges because there's this idea of being in a straight passing relationship, right? My partner is a cisgender heterosexual man. And so a lot of times when people see me, they don't assume I'm bisexual. And that's actually sometimes a good thing and then sometimes really painful. So I struggle between wanting to mask and wanting to unmask my bisexuality. But something I struggle with even more so is my anxiety disorder. I have had anxiety since I can remember. Um, I've been struggling with it my whole life. And then, you know, sometimes I have anxiety-induced depression that I suffer with as well. And it all seems to be this kind of cycle throughout my life of um, having high anxiety, moving into a depressive state, and then kind of coming out of it and starting all over again. And so, as you can imagine, that really affects someone in their career, and it has really affected my career. It's affected my motivation to move into different spaces because I worry, like, will I be able to handle this? (laughs) Will I be able to put on a face um, to make it seem like everything's okay? You know, I've been in workplaces in the past where um, I've had to mask more where I've had to, you know, smile and, and physically wear a mask on my face. And then I go back to my office and just decompress, you know, I think that's one of the benefits of working in a remote job is that I can just turn my camera off (laughs) if I need to. Um, But yeah, uh, masking is something that's really affected my life, especially when it's come to um, those two pieces of my identity. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And I think that something interesting about masks is sometimes they're not always evident what they're masking, right? And I can share my my experience as well. And then I would love to hear from Samantha. Um, When I was around like 27, I um, got Lyme disease, but I was undiagnosed for about 10 months. And so I didn't receive any treatment. And by the time that I was treated, I had a lot of damage to my joints done. So I was a really healthy person before that. And then 27 years old, I had pretty advanced arthritis in my joints. So I've just had this chronic pain condition. And something interesting, I think that I can relate to with Liz for you is that I look fine. You know, like I, I, I don't look like a person who's sitting on a Zoom call suffering, right? But like, what are my options, you know? And I think too, for anxiety or whatever, you just, it's, it's interesting, I think, especially is with women, often in workplaces, we see like, you just have to do the thing anyway. We don't get the same privileges because we've already are having to work harder to show that we belong in a space, right? So thank you for thank you for sharing that as well. And Samantha, is anything anyone saying resonating with you? Would you share your story with us as well? So I would say I'm pretty recent of my coming out story. It's been about three years since I've publicly come out as non-binary, but I wouldn't say that I'm fully out quite yet. I mask my identity a lot, mostly because I live in in the South and being a queer person in the South isn't quite safe. And at one of my past jobs, I was kind of at the early stage of my coming out journey. I had come out publicly to my friends and family and was kind of online coming out but there was some talk in the office that kind of through like I was like I don't actually think I should come out only in a way that I don't actually feel safe if I were to come out to these people because I wasn't quite ready for those conversations because I knew that the conversations would not be safe 
I knew that things would be said that would leave me in a place of unknown. And where I was in my life, I was pretty young. I was like 22. And this was like my first like real job. And I needed money. So I kind of masked who I was so that I could have like a livelihood kind of thing. But I also, like Liz, have struggled with um, generalized anxiety my whole life that because I was masking who I truly was, which I had done my whole life, now that I thought that I was out and I was kind of pushing myself back in this closet, my anxiety was worse. And so it kind of ended up affecting like how I worked because I like wasn't really doing my best because I didn't think that like I was meant to be at this place because I knew like what these people thought of like who I was but yeah that's how I've I've masked is just not only in like a work environment but in like public I kind of like I don't correct people if I don't know them just because I don't entirely know how they'll react Um, and most of my friends are like females and so and they all identify with she her pronouns and so whenever like we're in a group it's always like hey girls like hey ladies I'm not gonna like correct them because I'm not entirely sure what would happen if I did so I definitely mask out of safety yeah I think there I've heard a lot of reasons um you know something interesting is like the the basic human endeavor since we were cave people is two things right be safe, be accepted by the group, right? And fast forward to 2023 and here we are, right? So everyone's trying to figure out how do I stay safe? How do I get accepted? How do I find success, right? And and it's just interesting to me that masks are just, it's the only way we've figured it out, you know? <laughs> but despite like, you know, like the, the challenges to our mental health and things like that. And so for all of you, when you were thinking about um, your masking journey and you alluded to some of these, were there any um, specific moments where you realized you were masking or did, like having kind of an interesting, like, for example, Samantha gave just even like this, a small interaction in a group chat, you know, um, sort of thing. But do you have a, a moment or an, a story to share about you knew that you were masking in that moment and maybe how that felt and how you navigated it. And we can start with uh, Liz. Do you have an example? Yeah, thank you. In my previous job a couple of years ago, even before I was officially diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, before I started medication for it, that's really helped me. I was having panic attacks on my lunch hour um, at work. And, you know, I was in a physical working location at that point, but I, you know, I would wake up some mornings and my anxiety would just be really, really high, uh, not for any particular reason, because that's one of the things about general anxiety disorder. There doesn't have to be a reason. (laughs) Sometimes you just wake up that way. And so there would be times that uh, lunchtime would come around or even before lunchtime. And I would just close my door and say, you know, I'm going to watch this video or I'm going to take this call or something like that. And I would close my door because luckily I had the privilege of having an office at that point. And I would lay on the floor and I would cry and I would be in a panic. And so that happened a couple of times. And I think at that point I realized that I, one, needed to do something because that's no way to live constantly. And two, I realized that, wow, I feel 
very different from my coworkers um, who are out, you know, um, enjoying their lunch hour or um, maybe having what seems like a very normal day um, while I am, you know, physically falling apart in my office. You know, another thing, you know, at that same workplace at the time, everyone, you know, really talked openly about their relationships. You know, you want to share those parts of yourself at work and connect with people. People find connection in all those different ways. And so, you know, when people would talk about their relationships at work, I, or even, you know, maybe their dating history or something, I felt really scared to share mine. And that's when I realized as well that being like a bisexual woman, that that would come every time someone would bring up their relationship. And still to this day, I have those moments where, um, you know, someone will bring up their relationship and I kind of pause because I'm not really sure what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. And like, should I bring it up? Is it going to be weird if I bring it up? You know, but yeah, those are some really specific experiences I've had at work that I've, I realized that I, I had to mask in order to connect with people at work or um, in some cases even uh, maintain my job. Yeah, I, I'm sorry that you experienced that. Something that's interesting is, you know, when you look, took off your mask, right? Like what your body did with that time, you know, and it's it's interesting because we we can assume that the coworkers out having a nice time that none of them are masking, but maybe one of them standing there holding their grief, right? Or holding in pain or holding in, you know, it's, it's interesting um, when you start navigating it, just how extensive it is, right? Um, for safety, for um, acceptance. And Kimberly, is there a moment that you had um, on your journey that stands out to you um, that you were masking and how did you navigate that? Yes, COVID. <laughs> even leading up to COVID. So I will say like I experienced burnout a couple of times even before COVID happened. Before working at Women Who Code, my, by trade, I'm a journalist. And I was doing a lot of freelance writing, or at least trying to, and I would just keep like having to take a step back because working full-time, freelancing, trying to socialize. And that happened a few times where it was just like, I kept just needing to fall off the face of the earth and, you know, not keeping in contact with people. Then as 2020 came and I was trying to like get back into my journalism and freelance writing and add more news outlets that I was writing for but it just was like this continuous like blocker and I remember just thinking like I was planning like oh this conference is happening let me go to this I need to go to this throughout the year but I also was thinking in my head like but I don't really want to go, <laughs> but this is going to help me with my career. And then COVID happened. And the way I was so excited to be home alone and have nothing to do. And even as the world started opening back up, I was just kind of like, no, can we stay inside a little longer? <laughs> um, so that I think is when I really was like, oh, okay, something it's something a little bit deeper here. And then I would say once I was diagnosed with ADHD, I feel like that was like the final dot connector for me to really understand just like my whole life <laughs> um, of just feeling like an oddball, but trying to fit in and 
all these different things. So yeah, that was just like the final, final thing to kind of help me understand myself a lot better and how I've been masking, why I've been masking. I'm not going to act like I don't still mask, but I know when I'm masking, I'm more aware of it. And I know when to take a step back and I don't feel bad about it. I think that's the other thing too, is like everything was my fault before the diagnosis. You didn't finish that assignment on time because you're just not good at what you do. You're not continuing friendships or building your network because you're not social enough. And, you know, it was me lacking something. And so, yeah, just lacking self-compassion for myself. Whereas like now I think I give myself a lot more self-compassion and grace um, around the ways that I sometimes have to mask still or not masking and just being myself and, you know, not caring if someone is judging me or not, or like, I'm not their vibe type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I, it's interesting for in both Liz and Kimberly, your answers is just like, it took kind of a big mirror being held up to your face to, for you to be able to see the mask. Right. So Kimberly, it it took a global pandemic (laughs) before you realized, right. Or Liz, you're just like every day crying on the floor. You're just like, this doesn't, this seems is this right? Is this is this how people live, right? Um, Samantha, um, was your your moments are they bigger a bigger mirror, or a smaller mirror, or something else? It was definitely like the mirrors got bigger as I walked through the hall. I think like one of like the first kind of things that brought my attention to like what I was actually doing was something super simple, wanting to change like. It was one of my first jobs outside of college and I got my own work email and I was so excited to have it because I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, oh, I can make a signature. And I remember it took me like, I want to say 10 or more times to press save, but I wanted my email signature to have they, them. And I thought that maybe if I had that, it would be an easier way to tell people but no one actually read them because I would email all these people, but then I would see them and they wouldn't use the right pronouns. And so I took it off. I was like, okay, no, maybe they are reading it and they don't want to. And so I was like, I won't do it. And then as time went on, I was starting to let people misgender me and it started to like take like a huge toll on my mental health. And it took maybe a few people to be like, Samantha, this isn't normal. And it was like, you shouldn't be, you know, coming home from work, questioning yourself. And it was like one of those, I actually had to look in the mirror, like an actual physical mirror and be like, you've worked so hard for like how many years it took for me to come out for me to go back. I didn't realize until really late into my career that I was like, I actually don't think I should be here. I shouldn't be working in a place that isn't safe. And unfortunately, it was really late that it had done pretty intensive damage. But I got it. I feel confident enough to say that I, I was able to stop it at the right time before I like completely 
dis like just forgot like no I'm not going to be like non-binary like I won't because I don't I don't know how to be it in a place like this and everyone was like don't do that Samantha don't take what you accomplished and because coming out is fearful in itself but coming out and then being told not to is like pretty hard and I think it wasn't myself that really caught it right away it was the people that I had around me and they were like Samantha you've worked really hard like don't do that like really look at yourself and yeah that's where I was yeah I I think that's really, really gesturing toward just like the importance of environment and your community, right? The people around you and um, where you are can really make all the difference or how much mask you ha have to put on and don't. And some of these masks we're talking about, like Kimberly or Liz are kind of like, or sometimes me with like my pain stuff. It's like, well, it's, I don't have an option today, right? You have to, you have to go to the meetings, you have to do the stuff, right? So it's not even like a conscious, it's not like you put it on, right? We're like, today I'm going to decide to behave this way. Um, but sometimes I think there's this like, they're not smaller in in importance, but just like I, I where you choose to call yourself she or they, right? That day, you know, in these sorts of moments. And for me, I had, I had one, I've shared this an anecdote with a couple of you, and then I would love to hear from Gracia as well. Um, that one of my sort of like small intentional masks which ended up being kind of like lifelong at this point was when I was in, I was a first generation college student. And then I'm, I'm the first person in my family to also get a master's degree. So I like, I moved 2000 miles away from my small town, you know, and I'm sitting in my first graduate program and the professor there, um, there was one, actually two, but one specifically would always make fun of my Midwest accent and all, always teasing it. And I come from just like a really small poor farming village. And I already didn't think I belonged because I, I just, I didn't have any models. No one in my family ever went to college before. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out academia and he would always make me say Hamilton sandwiches with my normal speaking voice. So, and it just like, and tease me, like when I would answer questions in a graduate class. Right. And I learned really quickly that like my Midwest accent, which is very thick, this is not my natural speaking voice. It's like a poor person's accent, right? And I didn't, I wanted to pass in academia. And so I scrubbed it. And so when I was 22, I changed my speaking voice. And I only, and this here is kind of like my moment. And I kind of forgot about it. I just went through life having changed the way that I speak. And then it was during the pandemic also, Kimberly, I was watching a lot of Antiques Roadshow with my best friend. I was staying with her for a few months in Seattle and they did an episode in the Midwest. And I was just repeating the stuff that the people in the Midwest were saying, just like, oh, cute Coca-Colas, you know, like I was like saying it. And my friend, my best friend, my best friend since I was 24 turned and she's like, why are you talking like that? And I was like, oh, did you not know this is my natural speaking voice? She's like, I had no idea. And I just had this moment with her. She was like, this isn't, you, this isn't how you speak. And I was like, I guess I just put the mask on so long ago. I forgot, you know, I've just been passing like this, you know? Um, Grecia, uh, do you relate to anything? Is your, was your mirror a big mirror or a small mirror? Is it, do you think it's kind of like an intentional mask that you put on or is it one that you just more adopted more naturally? I had two moments that I can share when I realized that this was a mask. So I started seeing many ads on social media recently about apps that help you practice your English. 
and get a better accent. And it was very specific. It, it was showing a Latin American presenting at work something and making mistakes while speaking in English. So this was, you know, social media knows everything about you. So this was for me specifically. So that's when I realized that we are all forced to fit in so we can bring our challenge to work. I have so many friends working for American people, for American companies, and they all have the same struggle. I need to practice my English. I need to keep improving. I need to have a good accent. I cannot do any mistakes when I'm presenting, when I am, you know, uh, showing my work. So I think when I saw all of those apps about these apps, I didn't know those apps existed. I even downloaded one once. I used it a couple of times. And then when I realized that this was not okay, I was like, I can keep using my normal English. I think that's enough. And then the other moment that I had about being from Mexico. So this time I was I was talking to a client on a call and I shared that, that I was from Monterrey, Mexico. And this person said, I don't know anything about Mexico, but that's because they don't teach us anything about other countries at school. And that's when I thought I should share more. You know, maybe people are not mean. It's not because they are not interested. Maybe they don't know anything about my country. So I should you know, just keep sharing, share about where I am from, what do we have here? You know, I'm always sharing recipes and more about my culture and my traditions and holidays and all of that. So I think those two moments were when I realized that something was, you know, people are being forced to wear these masks of, you know, I need to improve my English. I need to sound like I am native or that, you know, I'm, I know English since I was born, which is not true. Most of us learn it at school. And like you said, Manda, I had the privilege of learning English from a very young age. So that's also people, when people see me, they might have misconceptions. If they see me here in Mexico speaking English, they might think, oh, this person had more opportunities. They might have some, you know, ideas about me. But if you see me and you are not from Mexico, you might see my the color of my skin that is a bit lighter than what, you know, the common idea of a Mexican person is. And you might think I'm from somewhere else. So I guess we're always, uh, people don't know you when they meet you the first time. They form an idea of you and then they hear you speaking and then you start saying some things about yourself. You don't always have to tell your whole story, but I mean, we should be safe if we want to tell our story. If we want to say more about ourselves, where we are from. If I say my, you know, my first language is Spanish. And now I get more people asking when I share this, I get more people asking, oh, how do you say this? Or I'm interested in learning more. And I think that's part of when you realize and you do this unmasking, people start getting more interested about you. Yeah, I think it's, we've been talking about putting a mask for safety reasons, but I think also we have to take some ownership over the fact that we are also writing stories about other people and how they're going to receive us, right? We're assuming, and we're doing this because we're trying to keep ourselves safe, right? So it's totally normal, but we're assuming that, I'm assuming that, for example, people would think I can't do my job if I'm also in pain, right? Like that doesn't make sense. I'm great at my job, even if I'm in pain, you know, or if you need an afternoon off or something that someone's going to think that you're not a quality employee or something. And or if you reveal that like, hey, I'm kind of having a sad day today that you will be not seen as like a professional. And we know where these stories come from. We've seen the data. We work at Women Who Code. But I don't think that's always true, right? Like to maybe to, to Gracia's point, they just haven't learned about 
like, I don't know about an anxiety disorder, right? I don't know what that could mean. And you could take the time, maybe it's not your job to educate people, but if you're interested in a relationship, you could take that time for sure. Um, I w- would be curious to talk a little bit about your uh, steps that you've been taking and apologize for my ableist language. So any actions that you've been taking on your journey and you've gestured toward these, but maybe I wonder if we could consolidate them for the listener, right? So some, some concrete sort of not necessarily tips, but just for you, things that you did on your journey to start on your unmasking journey. For me, I'll, for example, I'll start, um, I'm more comfortable sharing with my manager or my colleagues that I have, am having a pain day, right? Just like, I can still do it. It's just going to be a little slower today. Like I'm doing mental work, managing how my body's feeling. I just like let them know, like, no, I'm here. If I seem a little distracted or if you see my face or if I start crying on a call, it's not you, <laughs> right? It's just, it's just like, I'm just managing some stuff today. So for me, um, that's been one thing that's been helpful is feeling safe, which that's a testament to the people around me, right? I, this isn't even something that I share with most people in my life uh, for the reasons that we've talked about. Um, Kimberly, for you, what are some ways that you've started on your journey to unmasking? One, self-compassion, <laughs> but also just being aware of how I, because like sometimes I can cut people off in excitement. So I'll write things, I'll try to at least write things down uh, so I don't forget them. And when my when it's my turn, I can uh, say it. Sometimes I just tell people like, hey, I have ADHD. I'm overstimulated or, you know, it takes me a little longer to get things done because I get easily distracted and I just lean into it. Also, I do take medicine for ADHD. I was very much against it for about a year. And then like I had things in place, but I like saw that other black women were taking medicine for their ADHD and it just help me feel empowered to like at least try it and it has helped a lot as well but there are just certain things that come with having ADHD that don't go away like I'm trying to focus on what you're saying but in that focusing I'm telling myself to focus (laughs) and so I'm not afraid sometimes to just be like hey I didn't catch that can you repeat that or being like, sorry, did I cut you off? Or, you know, I might go on a tangent. Please just let me know when to stop. Or, um, and being open to feedback. And, you know, sometimes my directors, she'll be like, so what was your question? And I'll be like, thank you for letting me know that I didn't actually ask the question and that I just said a bunch of jumbled words. So I think that's really been helpful for me to like unmask and feel more comfortable and lean into it in both social settings and at work. And just also like on a social side of things, I do block off certain weekends where I don't really go out and stuff and I don't feel bad about it. I'll just be like, I've been out a lot, you know, let me just kind of chill so that I can better perform during the week. And then I will say my last way of just, unmasking well I'll save it for for the pro tip actually but yeah that's how I how I've begun to unmask yeah I actually think that we can combine this um with the question that we had wanted to talk about which is like a good concrete pro tip and so here are some things I hear you saying Kimberly or self-compassion right leaning into it just you know being more comfortable with it 
um, medicine can be helpful or maybe some other treatments, sharing and communicating what you're going through and taking time to recover from wearing the mask or managing the thing that you're masking. And what would be, um, what else did you want to offer for your sort of like your, let's give our listeners some takeaways of just like maybe something, some things that they could do to start their unmasking process. Yeah, the last thing I would just add that's been extremely helpful for my mental health and focus has been working out like high intensity workout has done wonders for me. And then also a lot of journaling and just getting those thoughts out too, because I think that sometimes has contributed to me like forgetting things or feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated because I just have so many like thoughts and feelings that just need to come out of me. So yeah, I highly recommend whether you have ADHD or not to just journal a lot and find a workout routine that makes you happy and helps you to just really flex that mental and physical muscle. Well, thank you for that. And I, I just recently read that like anxiety and stress is like energy with nowhere to go. And this is one of the reasons why exercise can be so effective. Um, you know, and also this is a really good example of what we're talking about, about writing stories, because you're worrying about your communication style being kind of like sporadic and start, stop and like navigating. And I think your communication style is one of the most charming things about you. So here you're trying to like navigate that. And actually, I think it's really charming. So again, we just are writing this story that other people aren't receiving us as well as we think, right? Um, for you, Liz, um, we'll kind of combine both what kinds of things concretely have you been doing to manage your particular situation? If you could abstract that, do you have any sort of pro tips or takeaways for the listener? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So one thing I've done is I've sought out therapy. I've been in therapy for, you know, over five years now, maintenance or sometimes just to help in a bad time. I also take medication for my generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I know in some cases, this is a privilege to have access to therapy and medications and healthcare. So, you know, I think something that's really helped me too is recognizing my triggers knowing what's going to trigger me and respecting that. So, you know, sometimes at work, if you know something's going to trigger, you can't really avoid it, right? If your trigger is, you know, giving a presentation or something like that, sometimes you have to do those things for work. So recognizing that, yes, it's a trigger, but like kind of having a plan for it, right? How are you going to prepare yourself? How are you going to support yourself after that? Being aware of those things can be really helpful. So, you know, keeping a log of things that are triggering you. Also finding a community. So whether it be like your women who code community, whether it be, you know, a group on Facebook, there'd be like a physical local community that you can seek out in times of need or just to connect with. I think having community is extremely powerful. And the last one I'll say is to respect your needs and ask for them. That's something I've had to do throughout the years is understanding that my needs are different from maybe someone else's. And that's okay. I accept that about myself, that it's part of me and my identity. So recognizing your needs, knowing what they are and not feeling shame about asking for the things you need or taking a step back or taking that mental health day. Those are some really good pro tips I can give you that have really helped me um, as I'm trying to move through unmasking these things in the workplace. Yeah, I think the um, one I, I will share and then we'll hear from Samantha and Garcia is I, I agree also the 
figuring out what you need and asking for it. And I had kind of like a, a big moment for me and like my masking journey last, it was like two Fridays ago. I, I had been in a lot of pain for about a week and it just like, and I have my own, right. I get massages. I, I work out every day for my mobility. I like whatever, but after, after about a week of it, your brain is just like, I can't live like this. Right. And that I requested to have Friday off on Thursday, I requested Friday off and I put in the no as a pain day, you know, for me to request a pain day, I'd never done that before, you know? And that was felt big for me to just say, actually, and then and my manager checked in. I was like, no, I'm okay. I just, I've been in pain. I need, tomorrow I need to wake up naturally. I need to get a massage. I need to not be at my computer. My joints hurt. I can't type, right? I need, I need a day to be in pain. And I've never given myself a work day to be in pain, you know, and that feels big. It feels big to be able to just sort of lean into what you need and ask for it. Um, Samantha, for you, what are some things that you're doing and some key uh, takeaways or pro tips for our listeners? One of the major things that I did that helped my journey begin was I did quit that job. I left it. And it, it was funny because when I put the two weeks in, I kind of felt this lift. And I was like, hmm, wow, I feel great. And I looked for jobs, like before I was thinking of quitting, I looked for jobs that I knew I needed to have a, a place where I could be myself. And when I found Women Who Code, the first thing that they asked me was, what were my pronouns? And I wasn't afraid to tell them. And I think one thing that I had a really hard time disconnecting was that I thought that oh, well, work is one thing, life is the other. I'll be myself when I'm not at work and I'll be who they want me to be at work. But ever since starting at Women Who Code, I've been able to be myself as if I was not at work. And I've noticed that I've been become more confident in myself that I'm not afraid to correct people. It's not like to the point where I, I'd like it to be at, but in smaller, like, groups I've been able to be like actually my pronouns are they them um and like you said earlier Amanda we kind of think that maybe they'll react a different way and like we're not giving them a chance and most of the time I've had pretty positive outcomes and they're like oh I'm so sorry and it's like oh no it's okay wow this was a surprise I've definitely found um myself in a job that respects me and I think like that's like so important is to find a place where you belong. Um, just because it's work, I don't think you should disconnect personal and like professional. Being able to be yourself 24-7 is more important than clocking out at 9 a.m. and then being yourself again at 5 p.m. And so, yeah, I wouldn't say go quit your job, but definitely kind of like question like where you are. And I definitely found people finding a community that respects me has helped me quite drastically, especially people who are like, I have my best friend will be telling me a story. Just hearing her like use my pronouns is like kind of amazing. And she'll be like, yeah, so I was talking to them about you and they used um, the wrong pronouns. And so I was like, they and she was like, yeah. And then they corrected themselves right away. And I was like, oh my God, you did that for me. And so definitely finding 
your people, I think is the most important thing that definitely helps like kind of lift the mask. Yeah. I love that. I mean, there are, you, you can get another job. You've only got you, 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 right. Forever you're with you, wherever you are. So it's important to put that person and protect. It's your job to protect you. I think, you know, it's my job to make, to protect my body, to protect my mental health. That's my one task in this life is to keep myself safe, you know, and you can, you can work on navigating that. Um, Gracia, for you, what would be any of your takeaways and ways that you've been managing um, your masks as well? Sure. Like Samantha, I am very grateful to work for a very safe space and also open space now. So I think now I can I can be myself. I can share more about me. And people get, in, get interested. Like I told you, they start asking questions about my language, about my country and all of that. I also work with many volunteers from different parts of the world. So now I try to share more about myself and I see that they are responding. They are also sharing about where they are from, more about them, more about their languages or culture and all of that. So I think that's working. And you also help create an open space for everyone. And that, that's what I really like. Finding a community, like someone said here, I think that's that's always something. As a director of community, I'm always uh, telling people to find their communities. If it's at Women Who Code, we have uh, many communities that can help you. They are for, of course, technology, but you can find people who think similar to how you think. And then also another thing I will say, if you are learning a new language, you don't have to be perfect to start speaking it. So you don't be shy and just start practicing it, make mistakes, and that will give you a better experience if you start talking it right away, even if you make mistakes. People will correct you, but that's perfectly fine. That's how you learn. So they will also open up and help you in your, in your learning path. If you share with them, I am learning this, can you help me? You will find good people who will be willing to help you. Thank you. I think that's really great advice. I have a whole list of uh, takeaways from our um, conversation today, and we will be publishing like a sort of a kind of a toolkit um, on the Women Who Code blog to go along with this episode. So check that out for more resources. And I'll also summarize the cool tips that came out of this podcast today if you need a reminder. Um, but I think the, the big ones are just do your best community, right? Um, and just try to navigate it best you can. So thanks everyone so much for your time today. Uh, this is a really empowering episode. And um, it's a, for me, I've been a privilege to hear more about your experiences as well. So I'm sure that the, the listeners will feel that way too. Um, if anyone's interested in being part of the change and our mission and helping foster a more inclusive tech industry, you should support Women Who Code community. You can join, you can volunteer, you can donate. So just go to Women Who Code um, to get more cool content like this and be part of the mission. So thanks everyone for your time today and I look forward to seeing you on other Zoom calls. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate and comment.